Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for that time of ministry. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit ministering to us, Lord. And we don't ever want to put you in a box. So, Lord, I just thank you for flexibility, knowing that we're always going to get to your word. But sometimes you want to minister to us in a different way. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the flock being flexible with that, Lord, knowing that people need to be ministered to. And that was a wonderful time of ministry. So, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for all the volunteers that make every time we come happen. These, this would not happen if it wasn't for volunteers. So we thank you for every single volunteer. We thank you for your word. We ask that you bless your word this morning, whoever is teaching, not just on this campus, but around this world. Whoever is teaching the word, that you would be glorified in and through it, that people would get saved, that people would repent, that people would, uh, believers that have gone away would come back, for we know that you are seeking them. Father, we just thank you. You're so faithful. Even when we're not, you are always faithful. So Lord, I ask for the gift of teaching this morning and that you'll continue to be glorified through your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, let's go back to, let's go back to verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. So again, we've been talking in the last few months really about religion versus relationship. And you can see that in that verse right there where Paul is talking about those who on the outside appear so holy, so reverent, but inside they're corrupt. They have evil practices. They're trying to take and add to Christ. And yes, anyone who adds to Christ, that is an evil practice. If it's Jesus plus water baptism equals salvation, that is an evil practice, even though water baptism is a spiritual principle that we should all do. Why would it be an evil practice? Because you've added to the cross. We can never add to the cross. It's not plus church attendance, knocking on doors, blowing yourself up, nothing adds to the cross. Otherwise, it's an evil practice. And so that's what Paul is addressing here. Those who want to take the believers back to the law. Oh, yes, you're saved, but you Gentiles need to be circumcised. Hello. No, we don't. Verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, even though the world calls us insane, you Christians are crazy. Now they're saying you're far-right radicals. You've actually been labeled as extremist by the FBI. The people that are supposed to protect us from extremists, you as a God-fearing, loving person who loves the pre-born as well as the born, who love the elderly, who will go anywhere. Have you ever noticed when something happens around this world, who are the first ones to go? Christians in our country, but predominantly Christians run. Head head on. And first responders, let's go. Well, now you're extremist. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. So what they call us insane, doesn't matter. We're for God. We're going to love them. Call us what you want to call us. Racist, whatever you want to call us. 
For if we are, or if we are sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us or holds us together because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. The he here is Jesus. God the Father didn't die for us. The Holy Spirit did not die for us. Jesus died for us on the cross. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. We had this little discussion. We've been watching our grandchildren for the last three days, 24-7. And we've had this discussion more than once over the last few days. As an adult, hopefully nobody's having to have this discussion with you. But maybe they need to. Or maybe you just need to have it to yourself before somebody else does have to have it with you. We shouldn't be living for ourselves, but for him, for Jesus, who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. It doesn't matter what robes you wear. It doesn't matter how holy you look. We're, we're looking for, as James says, fruit. Jesus said, we're to be fruit inspectors. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And G- James says, hey, you'll know I have faith by my works. And the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and others will say, see, you have to work for your salvation. James was not writing to Gentiles. He's writing to believers. And he's exhorting the believers to just don't sit around and wait for Jesus to come back because that's what the early church was doing. As you do a study and you read your Bible, even Paul said in Thessalonians twice, if a person doesn't work, they don't eat. Get busy. Because the early church thought Jesus was coming back right away. They didn't understand that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed in 70 AD. They didn't know that. That had been prophesied. They didn't have the book of Revelation yet. They didn't have the New Testament yet. We now can look back and go, why didn't they do, why did they do that? Because they didn't have what we have. The question is, why do we do what we do? <laughs> we ain't changing what happened 2,000 years ago. What the early believers did then. The only person that we can change is ourselves. I can't change my wife, can't change the kids. I can change the Holy Spirit if I surrender the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and change me. That may have an impact on them to help them change and go, wow, look at how dad's changed. I want to be more like dad. I want to be more like mom. I want to be more like that Christian. I want to be, I want to be more like Jesus. And that's what these verses are telling us to do, to be more like Jesus. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Jesus is in heaven. So since Jesus is in heaven, not walking on this earth, being that ambassador for the Father, see how this flows? Jesus was an ambassador of God because God theoretically was untouchable. Even though he was not, he had prophets. Jonah went to the Ninevites, had the greatest revival in the Old Testament. The whole town. And there was 120,000 babies, those who didn't know the right hand from their left hand. There, who knows how many millions were in that area. They were vile, vile people, worse than ISIS. God loved them. So don't let anybody ever tell you, well, if God is such a God of love, well, you don't know God, first of all. Why don't you read Jonah and then tell me if God's a God of love. God is a God of love. He takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked, as Pastor Durrell is going to share with you on Wednesday nights. So therefore, because Jesus is in heaven, but he was a momentary ambassador for 33 plus years, 30 years with his family. And the scriptures tell us that roughly around 30 years old, he started his ministry. So three to three and a half years with his disciples. He was an ambassador for God, 
But now he's on the throne in his rightful place from eternity past. And now he's passed the baton to you and me. We are now the ambassadors for God, for Christ, via the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Because then we see in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So God sees us as if we've never, ever sinned. From heaven to earth, there's not one record of sin. In heaven, there is not one record of sin. When you stand before God, he is not going to say, well, I can't believe you did this, and I can't believe you did this, and I can't believe you did this. He's not going to open his book with all the sins. No. There's not one sin in heaven. We're going to stand before the Bema seat, the reward seat of Christ. And he's not going to have to say a word. We're all going to say it. I wish I would have done more for you. I wish I would have done more. And we will weep. But then Jesus will wipe away those tears, as Revelation tells us. And there'll be no more crying. But there would be that momentary time of realizing, ah, I could have done more. I'm sorry. I I don't think anyone, including Billy Graham, didn't. I think everyone said that, including Billy Graham. When you have a heart for Christ and you're serving, you're going to have that heart in front of your Savior. Oh, I wish I could have done more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's look at, uh, well, we got a, a slide here. First Peter. Now, sometimes we use slides if you're new or visiting. Other times we're going to turn to our Bibles for time's sake, so don't panic. We use our Bibles here. First Peter 1, 18, 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, gold, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's how you and I have been redeemed. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus never sinned once. He is a sinless lamb of God. He took my place because I've sinned way more than once, even today, unfortunately. And you're no different, so don't think otherwise. Because that's pride and that's sin. He has exchanged our sinful destiny as children of the devil. We talked about this last week. You can get the CD. That carries with it eternal separation from God into sons and daughters of God who will live with him forever. You see, we're going to heaven and the Holy Spirit is prodding us. He's prodding us. He's prodding me. He's prodding you. If he's not prodding you, you might want to ask yourself, what am I not doing Am I not in the word daily? Has my heart become so cold and callous that I don't care about people? I don't care if they go to hell. I don't care about anybody. It's just about me. How is this recession affecting me? How is this inflation affecting me? How is this gas prices inflecting? Oh, that's right. We don't have any problems. How is this stuff affecting me? No, how is it affecting my neighbors and my coworkers? I'm going to heaven at the end of the day. They're probably not. So no matter how bad it gets here, I'm still going to heaven, guys. You're still going to heaven, no matter how bad it gets. And they're talking about it getting really, really bad in the next nine months. You can say, oh, they've been saying that for years. Well, maybe you've noticed the last you know, 19 months it's gotten kind of bad. So no, they haven't been saying that for long. It's going to get worse. So we better brace ourselves. 
You see, are we going to keep this wonderful fact of salvation a secret? Or are we going to share it with those around us? Even for you older saints, unfortunately, we've created um, in our minds a retirement phase. And it's a blessing. You know, I'm planning on it, I'm investing. I hope to retire someday. I've talked with the staff. I'm planning on it. But I'll never retire from ministry. There's no such thing as retiring from ministry. I might retire from this ministry as far as on this side of the pulpit. But there is no such thing as retiring from ministry, guys. We've got the gospel. We're ambassadors for Christ. doesn't matter how old or how young you are. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to fill us that we might share with somebody who's going to hell. Because there's billions of people going to hell. Verse uh, 18, now all things are of God who has, notice that, past tense, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has, past tense, not like, well, I'm saved and maybe he'll give me that ministry one day. No, no, no. You already have it. You already have it. If you're not using it, that's between you and God via the Holy Spirit. But you already have it. It's not something that you need to pray about. Well, I hope I get the gift of reconciliation. It's not one of the gifts. You already have it. Now you need to extend it to others. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has, past tense, given us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice that it doesn't say and has given the pastor, has given the Sunday school teacher, has given um, the evangelist, has given the missionary. You don't see any of those words there, do you? But unfortunately, what we have done over the decades is we have placed people in that position and we've attached certain responsibilities to that position. Oh, it's your job to preach the gospel. Oh, really? Just mine? No, actually, if you know the scriptures from Ephesians, it's my job to disciple you to go out for the work of the ministry. I'm not to stand here and preach at you. I'm here to teach you, which might involve a little bit of preaching, but predominantly it should be teaching so that you go out and preach and teach. I don't need to preach at believers. You're all saved, most of you. Maybe you're, you're backslidden, you need to come back to the Lord. Still, I don't think preaching is going to help. I think teaching the Word of God is going to bring you back. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You know you need to repent right now if it's you. Come back today. Stop playing games. Because you don't know how long you have. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 19. You see, we're approaching 8 billion people right now, guys. 8 billion people. How many of them are Bible-believing Christians? Very, 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 very small percentage. Luke 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. He's heading to Jerusalem. These are his final days. If you're reading your Bible, he's shortly going to be heading, doing the Passover and heading to the cross. So these are his final days of ministry that we're seeing right here. And notice who he's going to be ministering to in his final days of ministry. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. 
So he was a tax collector. He was hated, kind of like the IRS and the 87,000 new IRS agents we're going to have. So we got to love them because they need Jesus and a gun and other things as well. But they need Jesus most of all. And he, being in that day and age, the Jews hated the tax collectors because they sold out to Rome. And they didn't just collect taxes for Rome. They collected extra money for their own business, for their own life, so that they could have a life of leisure. So they were deeply hated by the Jews. So if you were a shorter man and you would go into a good crowd, you might not come out alive. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him. Now, some of you might be singing a Sunday school song right now in your head. I love this song. Kids love it as well. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Out of all the trees, out of all the streets, out of anywhere that Jesus could have gone, do you think God loves people? You see, God, Jesus, had an appointment with Zacchaeus. And I think it's Ephesians 2.10 that God has ordained good works for us to walk in them. He has appointed things for us to do, but we can miss that appointment. We have free will. Don't worry, God will take care of that. He knew that as well. He'll get somebody else to do it, but he gives us an opportunity. This isn't just by, oh, wow, just coincidence. Jesus walked under a tree and looked up and said, Zacchaeus, wow, what a coincidence. Not a coincidence, a God incidence. It's a God incidence. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus. And I asked the children this on, whenever we sing this song, I, th- I, th- I say, yeah, tone. You guys know about communication? I share this every now and then. Communication is 55% nonverbal communication, 45% communication. I got the remote, I'm clicking through the channels, wife comes in and says, hey, I'd like to talk with you. And I click and I go, sure, go ahead. And I keep clicking. (laughs) What did I just say non-verbally? I don't got time for you, this TV is more important. Or you're reading a book or whatever you're doing, you're not looking eye contact with that individual, that's non-verbal communication. Out of the 45%, 38% is tone. 7% of what you say is words. People are really listening to 7%. Isn't that a great stat to know? That's why some of you talk so much. You're going to make sure that 7% gets in there. <laughs> Bible says in a multitude of words, there's not a lack of sin. So be careful how much you talk. Just talk short and sweet and eye contact. Why do I say all that? So I say to the children, how do you think Jesus said that? Zacchaeus, you come down for there right now. That's the way some people have an opinion of God. He's waiting around the corner to slap you upside the head. Yeah, he knows where you're at, and man, is he mad. I look at it as Zacchaeus. I think paused. Eye contact. What are you doing up there? <laughs> I love it. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Now, can you imagine the disciples? Because the disciples, were old. they were the crowd control, you know? They were the secret service. We'll keep the kids away from you, Jesus. Don't worry about it. We got your back. They're probably going to each other. What's Zacchaeus, what's he doing? Oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Here he stops again. We're trying to get to Jerusalem. Here he goes. Uh, 
Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, today, I must stay at your house. Your house, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine the rabbis in Jericho? Can you imagine the religious elite in Jericho? What? What about my house? You didn't have to stay at my house? You're going to go to this Jewish, sold out to the Romans house? Are you kidding me? So he made haste and came down. And notice what it says. Received him joyfully. Can you imagine having Jesus for lunch? Now this is at the end of his ministry. He's raised Lazarus. He's healed lepers. He's healed the blind, the lame, the mute. He's raised more than one person from the dead. I don't think any of us would go, well, well, you know, I, I haven't cleaned the house. I don't know if I got any food. You'd all be going, we'd all be going, <laughs> hello, yeah, yeah, love it. But when they saw it, and we don't know who they are, they all complained saying, he has gone to the, be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Who's he, who else is he going to eat lunch with? <laughs> He's the only one that's never sinned. It doesn't matter who he goes to lunch with, they're all sinners, so... <laughs> Verse 8, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. We're seeing the fruit of repentance. This is not the first time he's heard of Jesus. This is not the first situation. He's been around Jerusalem, Zacchaeus has. He's a major player with the Romans. He's heard what the Romans have said about Jesus. He's in the know. I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, he admits his sin. I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, not to the crowd, notice that, to Zacchaeus, but now the disciples were listening and the crowd were listening. Today, Salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. I read all those verses for verse 10 to drive home the point for you and me as we go out this week into our mission field, now entering your mission field, that today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow will be the day of salvation. Tuesday, the day of salvation. Wednesday, the day of salvation. Be available for the Holy Spirit to use you throughout the week. For none of us know what time it might be for the day of salvation. But God is seeking what? What do we see right here? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The ambassador of God, Jesus, was the ambassador for God. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father once again. Now we have received that ambassadorship. Could Jesus come back and do that ambassadorship? He could. He's God. He could do anything he wants. But he's not going to. According to the word of God, he's not going to. He's coming back to receive his church, the bride, at the rapture. That's the next time he's coming back to this earth. Until then, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. What does that look like to you? 
You see, and God has allowed us the privilege to share that agape love with the sinner. What was Jesus doing? Was he raking Zacchaeus over the coals? He was sharing agape love. That they might be reconciled to God just as we are. There's a 26-year-old man named Gene who shared the love of Christ with a 17-year-old druggie, drinker, cursor, whatever you want to put a label on me. It was the agape love of Christ that brought me to God. I knew who God was. I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was. I knew who the Holy Spirit was. But I didn't know any of them. So as we go out this week, we're ministering to the same type of people. They might know who God is. They might know who Jesus is. Ask a Mormon. They're going to go, oh yeah, we know who Jesus is. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer. Okay. Oh, Jehovah's Witness. Oh, he's, he's Michael the Archangel. He's an angel. Islam. Oh, he's just a great prophet. He's just a great prophet. Really? Okay. So guys, I mean, when you really think about billions of people, they have an opinion about Jesus. I did a memorial service yesterday. And every time I, I didn't do it yesterday, but almost every time I have a memorial service, I'll say to people, you have an opinion about Jesus. Every person that comes to a memorial service, they have an opinion about Jesus. They have, they, they have an opinion about him. He wasn't real. He's, he's somebody that I curse. I hate him. I love him. Everybody has an opinion. Isn't that amazing? How about Romans chapter 5? Romans chapter 5. As you turn there, and God has allowed us the privilege, I'm going to read that slide once again as you turn to Romans chapter 5, the privilege to share that agape love with the sinner that they might be reconciled to God just as we are. You see, guys, this is what we're studying. We're studying about our ambassadorship. As the music team comes back up, Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when did Christ die for you? Make it personal. When did Christ die for you? When you got your act together? When you became super religious? When you dotted every I and crossed every T? Then God finally said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I like you. You're doing really good. Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on my side. No, at the cross. And as you read your Bible, you're going to see it's before Jesus spoke things into being. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, just as if I never sinned, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And I think this is one of the verses that I use and that I think we can use that the church will not go through the great tribulation. And the great tribulation is for seven years and the first half of the great tribulation, the first three and a half years, half the world's population dies. Half the world's population dies. So if one billion people, if the rapture happened today and one billion people went, make it easy for me with math, that leaves seven billion people in the first three and a half years, three and a half billion people are going to die. Not million, billion people are going to die. I think that's tribulation. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Notice that when we were enemies through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Therefore, because of this fact, 
Just as through one man sin entered the world, that would be Adam and Eve, and death through sin, spiritual death, as well as physical death, but more importantly, spiritual death, and thus death spread to all men or mankind, because all sin, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him, so a type of Jesus, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God And the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, the first Adam. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, because Adam sinned, we have all inherited sinful nature, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's why we're going to heaven. If you're not a believer here this morning, you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're not going to get to heaven because you came to Calvary Chapel or any other church. You're not going to get to heaven because you think you're a good person. You're going to hell. You need Jesus as your Savior. That's good news. That's good news. And it's free. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved by faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of, good, gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness. Lord, we lift up Tyler. We thank you, Lord, for him and for his wife, and they're already a tremendous testimony in their church community. They are heavily involved in their church. They are Bible-believing Christians. Father, we thank you for the impact that he is going to have with first responders. We know that no one misses their appointment. It wasn't his time to go home. And you're going to use him for such a time as this to shine forth the glorious gospel. So, Father, we pray that you would heal him totally, that he would be able to walk once again, if that's your will. Father, that he would be able to speak with such clarity that no one would be able to deny it's a miracle. For, Father, I truly believe that he wants to be used of you more than he would have ever been used by you as a first responder to win people's souls for you, Father, as an ambassador for Christ. So, Lord, continue to touch him, heal him, strengthen him. We pray for all our first responders, doctors, nurses, uh, fire, whatever it might be, medical field, other, other fields. We pray for them, Lord. Strengthen them during these difficult times. When they show up on drug overdoses, when they show up with suicides, the things that they have to see, and they somehow get through it. Lord, we pray that you bless their minds. And that our Bible-believing brothers and sisters in Christ will come alongside them and get them the gospel. Father, we pray for their minds. Comfort them and strengthen them with what they see every single day on a regular basis. And Lord, as we go out these doors, may we be encouraged to be ambassadors for Christ. 
no matter how bad it gets, no matter how high inflation goes, we're still going to heaven. No matter how much we lose, we're still going to heaven. You're a good God. You're with us. You're going to take care of us. It's not always comforting at times. It's not always easy at times. But yet you're with us. So it is comforting and easy. Help us just to continually surrender to you. And we'll see how comforting and easy it actually is because your burden is light. We thank you, Father. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come up. And if someone brought you, then you who asked them to come, you come up with them. You come up with them. And let's pray for their salvation. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek. Dot org.